on now. Bringing of a better hope. The bringing of a better hope. The bringing of a better hope. That's my topic for today. Amen. To Jesus. I'm reading Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19. It says, For the Lord made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. For the Lord made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. That makes us understand that the Lord did not make anything perfect. But now when the better hope was dropping, it made everything perfect. Amen to Jesus. And it is by this better hope that we do what? We draw nigh unto, unto God. Praise the Lord forevermore. Now the above verse of scripture starts with a striking phrase. Holy Spirit grant us revelation into your word in the name of Jesus. It starts with a striking phrase. And what is the striking phrase? Now by the help of the Holy Spirit, we are students of the world. So we invest into taking notice of phrases, words, um, in, in scriptures and get understanding from them. Now, what is this phrase? The first is, for the law made nothing perfect. For the law made nothing perfect. Now, the phrase is as simple and straightforward as and as clear as it is. The phrase communicates two vital truths. You see, it says, the law made nothing perfect. There's nothing shoddy, there's nothing um, hidden about this phrase. It's as simple, as straightforward and as clear as it is. The law made nothing perfect. And this phrase brings two truths out. What are the truths? Number one, the first truth is that the law is good. The law is good. How do I know that? Romans chapter 7, verse 12. This apostle Paul speaking to the Romans, to the church in Rome. He says, But the law is holy, and its orders are holy, upright, and good. So the law is not only holy, holy the orders given by the law are what? Holy. And they are not only holy, they are upright, and they are what? And they are good. So the first thing must listen about the law is that the law is holy, the law is upright, and the law is what? Good. Now, let nobody make you understand that the law is not good. The law is good. The law is holy. The law is upright. Praise the Lord forevermore. Now, uh, most of the time when we hear people talk about the law and grace, there's this emphasis as though the law is bad. No, the law is very, the law is good. The law is holy. The, the, law, is, the law is upright. Are we together? So the first thing we must understand is that the law is what? Good. And if being good means it is holy and it is what? Upright. And the next thing, the next truth we need to understand also is that the law at its best could and can make things very good. But it cannot and could not make anything perfect. It is holy, it is upright, it is good. Number one. Well, number two, at the best operation of the law, it could and it can only make things good. Or at most, very good. But it can never make anything what? Perfect. Are we together? And this was the limitation of the law. It can only at most make anything very good. But it cannot make anything perfect. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19, the same reason with the 19 says, For the law made nothing perfect. The law can make things good. The law can make things very good. But the law cannot make anything what? Perfect. The best of his operation is very good. If it stretches itself beyond his capacity, it's very good. But it cannot make anything perfect. Amen. That is the issue, that's the that's limitation of the law. Now, the law is good, but it has a limitation. Are we together? 
Just the same way, there are many on everything on earth, there are many good things on earth, but every of them have limitation. Same applies to the law. The law is good, but it has what? A limitation. Now let's go quickly and understand what is the law. Now we want to understand what is, I believe, I'm talking to a lot of Bible believing Christians and people who are coming to them to the word of God. Now, so this is not new to you. But what is the law? The law, canonically, the law comprises of the first five books of the Bible, which were written by Moses, amen to Jesus. Now, in application, the law is actually the Ten Commandments given by God to Moses in Exodus chapter 20, and other laws developed from these Ten Commandments. Now, there are thousands of laws developed. If you go to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you see the laws. You see the laws. Praise God forevermore. Now, so the whole body of the law is called the Torah. Torah, the whole body of the law is called the Torah. But the Torah comprises more than that. Are we together? Praise God forevermore. Now, so this is what the law is all about. So we're talking about the law, we're talking about the commandments that were given to Moses that were further expanded. They were, they were expanded. You go to the Leviticus, you see, you see uh, hygiene laws, you see uh, 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 civil laws, you see criminal laws, you see all of them. Everything we see today finds its roots to Ten Commandments. Praise the Lord forevermore. Now, um, so the next thing we need to understand is why could the law not make anything perfect? We can see the Bible tells us that the law did not make anything worse perfect. Why could it not make anything perfect? Are we together? Now, the answer to this question is derived from both the creation of the earth and the nature of the law itself. Now, if you want to understand something about scriptures, always go to creation. Um, a man of God says something, he said, when he wants to check any principle, when he wants to, before he applies any principle in life, he, he goes to Genesis to look for it. Amen. He goes to Genesis to look. He said, if he doesn't see that principle in Genesis, he doesn't apply. Are you not saying? Now, in, the, in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and um, um, Genesis 1, 2, all of life's principles find their origin there. Are you getting what I'm saying? So if you want to understand the principles of, of, of life, go through Genesis chapter 1 and 2. You see a lot of principles. And every principle that life operates on finds its roots there. In the evening and the morning and the first. That's the principle of evening and morning. Are you getting what I'm saying? So those principles are all there. Now, so the law finds its origin to what? To the creation. Praise God forevermore. Now, the, uh, 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 the law cannot make anything perfect because it is not perfect. That's the reason. First. It, it's, it's not what perfect. You give what you have. The law is not perfect. You cannot give perfection when you don't have perfection. You get what I'm saying? The law is not perfect, so you cannot make anything perfect. Now, this is due to the truth that after creating, God called everything very good. Watch this. God called everything what? Very good. In other words, if you look at the word very there, it means exceeding. In the, in the Hebrew, it means exceeding. Are you get what I'm saying? God called everything very good, but he never called anything perfect. He called what? Everything very good, but he never called anything what? Perfect. Including man he created. It means that Adam was not created perfect. Adam was created very good. But he was to, he was to walk into perfection as he kept on carrying out the purpose of God's government. And the law followed the same precedence. Are you getting what I'm saying? Amen to Jesus. The law follows the same precedence. It follows the same order of creation. Genesis 1 verse 31 says, And God saw everything which he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now everything God made was very good in creation. The law came out of creation. The law followed the same precedence of creation. So the law at his best is very good. Are you getting what I'm saying? So God made the earth very good, and put Adam, that is man, on it to make it work perfect. But Adam failed at this task. Are you getting what I'm saying? God created the earth very good, put man to make it perfect, and failed at the task. The failure of the first Adam in the task of making earth perfect 
gave rise to the emergence of the law. Are we going to say? He gave rise to the emergence of the law, which came through Moses. This succeeded the operations of the earth due to what? The fall of Adam. Now, so when Adam failed in making the earth perfect, what did God do next? He gave the law through Moses. The purpose of the law through Moses also was to bring about perfection. But God giving it to Moses to bring about perfection knew that they would not be able to keep it. I get what I'm saying. And he also knew that what the law could not make the earth perfect. I, I get what I'm saying. But the trend of giving the was whatever the Lord said we should do, we would do it. So that if you go to the original Hebrew, that was a, a, a braggalicious statement. It was a statement made in arrogance, some pride. Telling Moses, go and tell God anything he said we should do, we do. And you cannot do what God said you should do. And you get what I'm saying. Without his own empowerment, you cannot do that. So they invited the Lord and God gave them the law. Then the law was in his to 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 to, to they were to obey the law and based on the obedience of the law, they were to make the earth perfect. Now Adam failed in making the earth perfect. Now the children of Israel were given the law, and the giving of the law was also for them to do what Adam could not do. And the law is not perfect. Something that is not perfect cannot make anything perfect. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they could not also make the earth what perfect. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the law succeeded the failure of Adam. I get what I'm saying. So we understand that the law at its best can make us function in very good, but cannot make us perfect or function in perfection. Why? Because the law is good. And number two, the law follows the order of the creation. I get what I'm saying. Because after Adam, after Adam, there was no new creation. Every man gave of his gift birth of his own kind. And you know what I'm saying? Every man was born of a woman. And even the law was brought by the hand of a man, born of a, born of a man, sorry. Every man was born of a man. And even the law was brought by the hand of a man, born of a man. And you know what I'm saying? Which was the person of Moses. So the law in itself was not perfect. And it could not make anything perfect. By virtue of war, by virtue of, uh, 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 of creation, and by virtue of the fact that the law in itself was not perfect. I know what I'm saying. Now, having understood the precedence, we know that the law could not achieve the task that Adam failed at. You see that? So Adam failed at the task of making the earth perfect. The law could not achieve that task also. Because he didn't have the capability to achieve it. Are you getting me? He didn't have the ability to achieve it. The law at its best was good. Very good. It was not beyond that. Due to the failure of the first Adam and the inability of the law to achieve the task of making the earth perfect, God sent the last Adam in the person of Jesus Christ to achieve this task of making the earth world perfect and making man perfect. Are you getting what I'm Now, Jesus came not born of the seed of a man, but conceived of the Holy Spirit. Now, so long as the seed of a man comes in, Corruption has come in. The Bible says we're not born. It's talking about people again. The believers are saying we're not born of an incorruptible seed. The moment the seed of a man fertilizes the womb of a woman, corruption enters in. And you get what I'm saying. And so perfection is removed. Once corruption comes in, perfection is lead to sin. Now, so the Father knew that for the, for, in, for 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 perfection to come to the earth, corruption was not being in the, in, the, in the game plan. You get what I'm saying? So that is why many was conceived of the perfection of the seed of the Father. 
And that's why the angel told uh, uh, Mary, said that holy day, that was holy day. It was a perfection of the Father that fertilized her over. And then the child was conceived. He was conceived in perfection. He was perfection conceived and lived in perfection. So perfection could give birth to what? Perfection. And you get what I'm saying? How did Jesus accomplish this task? Jesus accomplished this task by carrying out two actions. Because both Adam and the Lord respectively were able to achieve the task. So Jesus had to do for them what they could both not do. I get what I'm saying. So Jesus had to do two different things because there were two different uh, uh, persons put in place to be able to achieve this task. But they could not achieve Adam and the Lord. So Jesus did not just come to do one thing, but did two things to make sure that perfection was brought to man and brought to the earth. Praise God the Lord. Now, what did Jesus do for Adam? Jesus accomplished this task by his death, finished work and resurrection. By dying, he paid the debt of eternal death that Adam was meant to pay. Are you know what I'm saying? Like in one of our teachings in church, we learned that we always sang the song, I owe the debt I could not pay. But the actual fact is that we owe the debt that we could pay. And the was that the payment was too heavy for us. The payment was a time out debt. And you get down saying, God said, the witness of sin is dead, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ and Mary. He said, but all of sin are consumed the glory of God. And you get down saying, now, so, so death was the eternal debt, uh, debt to be paid. And man would have paid it with eternity. Man would have paid it with eternity. But Jesus came to pay it for us as a substitutionary sacrifice. Now, we could have been able to pay, but that debt is not a debt anybody would love to pay. And Jesus came to pay it for us by dying. So by, by dying and by finishing the work he came to do, he paid the debt that Adam owed. By that, Adam's tax of perfection, Jesus carried it and accomplished it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, by this, he reconciled all things to God the Father and gave us a perfect life in and through himself. Romans 5 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 says, And all things are of God, which have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So when Jesus died and resurrected, he did just only pay the penalty for sin. He did just only pay the debt and overpaid it. He did not. He reconciled us to the Father. By reconciling us to the Father, he made us one with the Father. So what does that mean? By making us one with the Father, we share in the glory of the Father. You get what I'm saying? We are not just we, we are not just you are not just human. We are co-sharers of the glory. That's what the Bible says. We are heirs of Christ and we are heirs of God and joint heads with Christ. So we share in the glory of the Father. And what is that glory? That glory is perfection. So anybody in Christ shares in the perfection of the Father. You get what I'm saying? So the finished work of Jesus reconciled us. By reconciling us, we began, we began, we made us share in the glory of the Father. He made us share in the perfection of the Father. He made us share in the life of the Father. That is why Prophet Paul said that and crucify the Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I. But the life I live, I live through him who died and gave himself for me. So that means I don't live my life again. I live the life of Christ. And that life is a life called perfection. Number two, what did he do? He did the next work for the, for the Lord. What did he do for the Lord? Jesus did, uh, he, 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 perfected, he did the perfection work that the Lord could not do by enforcing the law of the spirit of life in himself. To set us free from the law of sin and death, which was the limitation of the law. 
Amen. And the law at its best performance is what? Good. Very good. So by enforcing the, uh, the, the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Jesus set us free from the law of sin and death and his limitations. Are you not saying that? So the limitations of the law of sin and death is the best you can be is very good. That's the limitation of the law of sin and death. The best you can be is very good. Are you not saying that? But the law of life in Christ, of the spirit of life in Christ has no limit. Its limit is the limit called perfection. And perfection is exceeding, exceeding, exceeding perfection. It keeps glowing. How do I understand it? That I would say that just with the part of the death like a shining light. And if you look at the word just there, is that this picture is a proverb, it's an old testament scripture. But it has a new testament relevance. The word just there in the Hebrew, if you check it out, it actually means righteous. So he says that, let me paraphrase it, the part of the righteous is like a shining light. And now, when you want to talk about perfection, you do not use any other thing to think for light. And God said, let there be light. Now, God created light. Light is not time. Light is God in eternity. And light is eternity. Time was brought out of light. Time is the limitation of light. Time is light limited. And it was from time we were able to get evening and morning. But in life, there is no limitation. In life, there, that is why you have eternity. That's why the Bible says it works in a life that's unappreciable by anyone. By anyone. And the Bible says, in that way we get to heaven, there is no day nor night. Why? Because there is only light. Light is perfection. The word light there in the Greek it is what all. It's actually with illumination. It is perfection. That and the Bible says the part of a just, the part of that the Bible says for uh, for evilness or mercy that will be made the righteousness of God in him. The part of the righteous is like a shining light. In other words, it's like perfection that shineth more and more, even unto what a perfect day. So that means uh, the part of the just uh, is like what perfection uh, that shines into perfection. Perfection in levels, perfection in graduations, perfections in dimension, until the perfect day. And what is the perfect day? The day that we see him and behold him as he is. That is the perfect day. But until that day, we do not change levels from good to better and to best. No, we change levels from perfection to perfection. That is our levels. That is where we change levels. Because he has enforced the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and has broken and set us free from the limitations of the law of sin and death, which limits us to very good. By virtue of the finished work of Christ Jesus, the grace of God became fully operational. Touch grace makes a man function in perfection. And not just perfection, perfection in dimensions. <laughs> This implies that the new creation in Christ Jesus is not meant to function in very good. Yet it is. You are not meant to function in very good because this frame is a limitation to the new creation. No matter how good very good may be, it devalues and reduces the potentials of the new creation. See, this is a good starter for this month and for the second one. Some of us have been enjoying very good. Now when you're doing good, man, I'm very good. I'm just cool. Things are doing good. I'm very good. But I've got a word for you. You are experiencing limitations. As you enter the second half, you are not meant to operate in very good. You are not meant to operate in good or better. Child of God, good, better, best are limitations. You are meant to be operating in perfection. Okay. 
This is because the new creation is created in Christ Jesus to live in and function in perfection, which is of Christ Jesus. The perfect, the perfect, this perfection now manifests as well as good works. Ephesians 2, verse 10 it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God has prepared before, ordained that we should work in them. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship. We are the craft works of his hands. We are the perfect craft works of his hands. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto what? Good works. So child of God, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are in perfection. And the proof that you are in perfection is that your works will always be good. Now let me make a sense of it. If you are living good, your works may not bad. If you are even living very good, your works may not bad. But it's impossible for you to live in perfection and your works will not be good. Are you get what I'm saying? And that is a kickstart for you this, this second half. Are you get what I'm saying? So we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Stop looking at yourself as a mortal man. You are the workmanship of Jehovah. You are the craft of Yahweh. You are the craft of Elohim. You are the craft of Adonai. You are his workmanship. He's working you out. And let me tell you something. When the potter stands, when he sits at the potter's wheel, trying to bring us something from the grave, what is it pursuing? It's pursuing perfection. And you get what I'm saying? And I let you understand, they say, but Pastor, January to June was messed up for me. But that does not remove the truth that you are his workmanship. He's fine tuning you to perfection. And this perfection is in dimensions. Child of God, stop living your life at the level of good, better, better. You are bigger than that. You are to live your life at the level of perfection. And not just perfection, perfection in progression. Because we keep progressing in perfection till we get to the perfect day. What does it mean to be perfect? The word perfect is from the Greek word tenios. And tenios has quite a number of things. Tia defines that means to be to make perfect, complete, to carry through, complete, to accomplish or finish or bring to an end. To complete, it means to add what is yet wanting in order to render it full, to be found perfect, to bring to an end or, uh, a, 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 a proposed goal, to accomplish, to bring to a close or fulfillment by events or prophecies of the scripture. And then strong definition, uh, strong, strong define it as to, to accomplish, to consummate in character, to consecrate, to finish, to fulfill. Now, so to be perfect means to complete, to accomplish, to finish, to bring to an end, to add what is yet wanting in order to render a thing full, to be found perfect, to bring to an end a proposed vision that is to achieve the goal, to bring to a close of fulfillment by the events this entails the prophecies of scriptures to consummate in character to attain perfection in character so character is also involved in perfection you cannot say in Christ and then my character is messed up no 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 to consecrate that means it's the act of consecration it means to finish and it means to fulfill this is what it means to be perfect and child of God this is what God created you as and you understand things we you are in Christ and you know something these are all we have been made in Christ Jesus let us not settle for less or go after anything less than this. In this second half of the year, child of God, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. If there's anything you need to be now, be a perfectionist in Christ. Be a perfectionist. Don't go for less. Don't go for less. Don't go for less than these qualities. Don't go for less than these. Because that is what God has made you. This is your hope. Your hope. Your hope is that what you 
Christ in us is the hope of glory. Your hope is that I be made perfect in Christ. Your hope is not the money you are expecting in the bank. Your hope is not the house that you have. Your hope is not the government. Your hope is not that your uncle that promised you some money. Your hope is not your wife. Your hope is not your children. Your hope is not anything materialistic. You get what I'm saying? The problem we have as children of God today is that our hope has been so materialized that we don't even know what our hope is. Your hope is not even the fact that I prophesied that something will happen to you this morning. No! Child of God, that is not your hope. Your hope is not even that you are expecting something good to come. No, that is not your hope. Your hope is that you are in Christ and Christ is in God. And because you are in Him, you are working in perfection. Because you are in Him, this second half is going to experience perfection in dimensions. You are going to experience perfection in new dimensions. Your path is going to keep shining. It's going to keep shining. It's going to keep shining. The hope you have is that you are no longer limited by good, better, best. No! If that is the word for you this morning, can I let you just go ahead and pray the Holy Ghost into God? Pray the Holy Ghost into God. Thank you for your time. Grace to you.